Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. Today's show focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Maya Sargent. And here are this week's feature stories. Every month, the What's What podcast brings you Fordham Conversations. In this month's installment, I sat down with Fordham professor Arnaldo Cruz Malave to discuss his book, Queer Latino Testimonio. They reflect on New York's dark history with the HIV-AIDS epidemic through the eyes of Juan Rivera, the lover of the late artist Keith Haring. Why did you feel it was important to tell a story about someone like Juan Rivera from the queer Latinx community? I happened to run into one in the streets and he tells me this long convoluted tale about hanging out with Grace Jones, Keith Haring, Princess Caroline, going to the Paradise Garage, and yet at the same time, you know, being a homeless kid on the streets of New York, especially on 42nd Street and what that meant then, which was a horrible, horrible uh, place. The rich and the famous would hang out at the same clubs with with the street kids who had to um, sell themselves to live. But it was also so representative of that that time, that time period. The 70s and 80s are a very interesting moment in New York. I mean, actually a very historic moment. What we nowadays tend to call sexiles, that is migrants who migrated because they felt that um, the places where they were living were not supportive enough, anywhere from not supportive to outright put their lives at risk. What would you say about Latino culture makes queer Latino experiences unique from other queer identities, Black people, white people, Asian people, people of all different races and creeds? In, In the case of Latinos, one of the things that is really crucial that other queer people don't even understand is the importance of the relationship of the United States to Latin America and the importance of the relationship of the United States to the Caribbean. That's why AIDS, any kind of issue, any kind of Latino issue, is an issue that um, has been worked on in an interconnected way, that it's not just simply about the place or where you're at, but it's the place that you left behind What advice would you give to young people trying to get more involved in LGBTQ movements? I know that we are often trying to use the most correct language. Um, I know that we're often very ready to judge, but listening really requires that you take a step back and that you be not affirmative for the sake of being affirmative, but that you be generous. Create something from listening to each other, watching for like sometimes what is not said rather than what is said. Sometimes the most important things is what is left unsaid. That was my co-host David Escobar talking to Fordham professor Arnaldo Cruz Malave about his book, Queer Latino Testimonio. Small businesses have become some of the defining landmarks in their neighborhoods in the Bronx. They characterize the areas that have created an eclectic and diverse borough, but these businesses often face additional barriers. So I sat down with Rob Walsh, the president of the Bronx Economic Development Corporation. We spoke about the work he's doing to ensure the future of small businesses in the Bronx. 
Firstly, I thought you could just start by telling me a little bit about your role as president at the Bronx Economic Development Corporation, like what that includes and kind of what is the organization's main goals. Plain and simple, the Bronx Economic Development Corporation has been charged with helping making the Bronx a better place, uh, promoting economic development. And that can mean uh, private investment. It can mean public investment. It means helping small businesses who are looking to get capital. It means helping to promote some of the you know, mom and pop shops that are, that are looking to survive and encouraging entrepreneurship. And what do you think are some of the values that small businesses bring to a place, especially like the Bronx? We have over 200,000 small businesses in New York City. You know, many of them are in the Bronx, but they're, they're the backbone of the economy. They're, they're, they're what give the character of uh, a neighborhood, of, of a community. But at the same time, you know, often small businesses are left out. You know, we saw it during the pandemic, the struggles of many small businesses who were looking to get loans, looking to get grants. We have work to do in that area to make sure that our small businesses are getting the resources that they could continue to survive, but also continue to grow because they are the job generators. They are the ones that make the Bronx great. Absolutely. And how do you, I guess, with your team, hope to facilitate that process to help incorporate more small businesses and keep small businesses going? We have to have the tools, right? Uh, We have to have the tools to make that happen. Let's face it. A lot of our banks right now in this environment are tightening up loans and their credit to small businesses. If you're a small business, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a startup, if you're a business that is making under $2 million in revenue, for the most part, you're being left out by the uh, big, bigger banks. So we have to get working capital to these small businesses and we need the resources. So the, these are the specific steps that we've taken. We've gone to the uh, Small Business Administration, the federal uh, government, and we've now recently got approval for something called the Community Advantage Program, which allows us to supply working capital loans from $5,000 to $350,000 for businesses, especially locally owned small businesses that continue to create jobs. And this is the area of our focus. What do you think are some of the key resources that a small business needs in order to survive and thrive? I think there's three three key focuses. One I've I've touched upon and I and I hit this one home was capital access. I think the second one is navigating government. And navigating government sometimes means for government to get out of the way and making it easier for businesses in our city to to grow. Sometimes that means elimination of petty fines. The other is making it easier to um, do business. And um, what would you say to people who maybe haven't visited any small businesses in the Bronx? What would you say, what makes the small businesses in the Bronx so unique? We are being uh, infused by entrepreneurs or by uh, a creative class that are making things happen. Our neighborhoods have so much character. It's something that you can't contrive. You can't manufacture. It's something that is really special and you have folks who are giving their heart and soul and making that happen. That was my co-host Maya Sargent talking to Rob Walsh about small businesses in the Bronx.
June is Pride Month, and every week we're celebrating by sharing stories highlighting queer voices in New York City. Heritage of Pride is the nonprofit organization that plans and produces New York City's official Pride events. They're responsible for several different celebrations across the city, like the annual Pride March and Pride Island. This week, WFUV's Christina Lulich sat down with Sue Doster, the co chair of New York City Pride. They discussed Bliss Days an event focused on celebrating queer women in the community. We're sitting down today to specifically talk about Bliss Days. So tell me more about that event. Absolutely. Bliss Days is one of my favorite events. It's a women's focused event. It's open to anyone who supports and celebrates women. It was previously called Femme Fatale. We actually, at Heritage of Pride, created the dance because we realized there were a lot of specifically men's focused events that took place in Pride Weekend. We wanted to make sure that we had something for women. And we created the dance Femme Fatale. After the pandemic, we did a rebranding to Bliss. But it's a really wonderful event. And we uh found a really great home for the event. The DL on the Lower East Side is completely redone. There are various different floors. We do have dancers. We have the DJs. We have a performer who I think folks will know. It promises to be a really great evening. Why the rebranding from Femme Fatale to bliss. Is there any specific reason that was done? I like the name Femme Fatale, um, <laughs> but we wanted to kind of just refresh it. We also changed the name of the men's dance to Pride Island instead of the Pure Dance. I think folks just were looking to like reinvent many of our events. So Bliss Days you're describing it as a dance. What can people expect if they purchase tickets and attend Bliss Days? There are three different floors where folks can hang out. There are some VIP sections that have like private seating areas, three different DJs. You know, it's multiple parties in one and uh, all women, all women themed. There definitely is an appetite for it. I think sometimes, you know, unfortunately, women's clubs and women's parties aren't always spotlit. They're sometimes a little harder to find, which is why it was important for us here to create this space. Another thing I noticed when researching Bliss Days was that it spells women with an X. So women from the LGBTQIA plus community. And instead of the E, there's an X. I was wondering for our listeners, if you could kind of give an explanation as to what this means. Absolutely. And, and you see this sometimes, the same thing sometimes with folks, F-O-L-X instead of F-O-L-K-S. It is an effort to be more inclusive. There are just like any community coming together, the women's community, the LGBTQIA plus community, there are women who come who may identify as lesbian, may identify as straight, may be 
Holly may have less rigid definitions of gender. So it's a way to open that up to include everyone who identifies as or supports and celebrates all women. What do you hope people take away from Bliss Days? I hope they find just kind of a sense of community. A lot of people really coming out on Pride Weekend, celebrating themselves, celebrating who they are, and just that connection because it is very powerful. And I think that's part of the reason that pride is such, it's a personal thing, but it's also a community thing. You never forget your first pride. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich speaking with NYC Pride co-chair Sue Doster about Bliss Days. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every week for the latest features exclusively from the WFUV newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast. It explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues surrounding the New York metropolitan area. And it includes features and interviews just like the ones you heard today, exclusively from FUV. You can catch new episodes every weekday at 3, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm David Escobar. 